For me, food is literally life. That's why I love Bronx Narrative's new food and wellness magazine. Issue six focuses on good eats, wellness tips, and per use, dope photography highlighting our artistic and eclectic borough. Read interviews from local business owners, find your new favorite food spot, and get tips to create a balance for a healthy life. Visit our shop at bronxnarratives.com to get your copy today. As we wrap up Women's Month, BXN Radio looks at what it means to thrive and survive with Ashley Wisdom, creator of Health in Her Hue. Health in Her Hue is a digital platform connecting Black women to culturally competent healthcare providers, telehealth services, and health content. We talk with Ashley about her goal for Health in Her Hue to be the go-to space for Black women and women of color, and why it's important that they be informed and empowered when making confident choices about their health. From Bronx Narrative's online publication, this is BXN Radio, a podcast highlighting Bronx culture, people, and some of our favorite Bronx tunes. I'm your host, Kayla Smith. Bronx Narrative's Radio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of BXN Radio. I'm your host, Kayla Smith, and today I have with me co-host Tiffany Green. Hi. Nice to be here. Hey, Tiffany. And today we have with us creator of Health in Her Hue, Ashley Wisdom. And we just want to say thank you for coming, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward. I have been looking forward to this interview. Thanks for having me. Ashley, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was actually born in the Bahamas. Um, My family is both Jamaican and Bahamian, but I was born in the Bahamas and moved to the States when I was eight months old. So I'm pretty much American Mm -hmm. um, with Caribbean roots. I grew up most of my life in the Bronx. Um, So I lived between Westchester, but formative years, mainly in the Bronx. I lived in the Bronx from like fifth grade up until high school when I went off to college. And then my parents moved to the burbs of New York. But yeah, I grew up in the northeast part of the Bronx, um, went to Ursula for high school, and grew up in the church in the Bronx. My church is on White Plains. The church I grew up on is on White Plains Road. So the Bronx is very much home to me. And I live in the Bronx now. So it's really, I've lived in Harlem for a couple of years, but it feels good to be back in the Bronx. And I'm happy that part of Health and Earth Hughes' origin story is me creating it while I was living here in the Bronx and um, the borough that, that shaped my life. Do you feel like your upbringing in any way uh, helped to shape what Health and Her Hue is right now before we jump into a little bit about what Health and Her Hue is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, growing up in the Bronx, I saw how, um, you know, you see the ins and outs of how structural racism really impacts Black and brown people's lives. So I've seen the difference in just, you know, growing up and going to certain schools, I saw the difference between like a public school that I went to um, in the South Bronx and then my, the different experience I had going to a Catholic high school. So I've all like growing up, I've seen like these two different worlds. Mm-hmm. And I remember that always being a big question for me. Like, why, why does that exist? Like, why do these inequities exist? Um, and so, you know, when you're growing up, you don't have all the sophisticated language. You just have all these questions around I go to certain neighborhoods and I see certain things and I go to other neighborhoods and I don't see certain things. Mm. And that has always been something that's been a question of mine, something that's always provoked me, frustrated me. And then as I got older, um, I think that those questions turned into me reading books and understanding how black and brown people have been disadvantaged and disenfranchised in many, many ways. And the social justice person in me um, has definitely shaped the way um, that I approach the work that I do with Health Interview. But short answer to your question, yes, like my upbringing, my environment has all factored into why I started working on Health Interview and how I'm approaching the work that I'm doing with it. Nice. So for those who have no idea, never heard of Health Interview, what exactly is it? Why did you create it? What's the purpose of the app? So I'll start with the purpose and then I'll share why, like what Health and Her Hue actually is today and hopefully what it's going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started Health and Her Hue because I've worked in healthcare my entire career. So my background is in public health policy and working within the U.S. healthcare system, one of our leading hospitals here in New York, academic medical centers here in New York City, I experienced racism working within a particular department and just being on the inside and seeing how institutional racism works 
seeing how some people who are have MDs after their name treat black and brown people poorly. And then also my academic background, like I was in grad school reading paper after paper and seeing the poor health outcomes for black women across the board. Um, right after that is indigenous women. We just have poor health outcomes, even beyond maternal mortality. And so that experience um, coupled with me learning about the issues in, in school really frustrated me. So I like had this real life experience where I saw how the healthcare system is just not designed to treat black women who work in it well, much less women who are patients who are coming in to seek care. And so I wanted to create something that empowered black women as they're navigating healthcare, as they're making um, decisions around which providers they choose. Because the U.S. healthcare system, quite frankly, just was not designed to do right by us. And instead of me just wanting to sound the alarm to black women and say, hey, folks are racist, like you need to be scared. I wanted to create something that empowered them, that made them um, better consumers of healthcare. And so that's the story. Um, I would add one other thing is that I saw the difference in how I interacted with my white doctors versus my one of my black doctors. And that experience really illuminated the value of having a, a healthcare provider who really understands your lived experiences because that can really improve the quality of care that they're giving you. But I won't go too far on a tangent on that, um, that story. <laughs> um, what Health and Hue is, so it's a digital platform, digital health platform that makes it easier um, for Black women to connect with culturally competent healthcare providers, culturally relevant health content, and then community for support. So I'm a strong believer in Black and Brown folks um, being communal. And while it's important for us to get medical care, there's a lot of value in us being able to connect with other women who are dealing with similar health issues as us. And so we want Health Interview to be like that first touch point if you're a Black woman, women of color, looking for trusted providers, looking for trusted health information, and looking for trusted community to support you as you're making decisions around your health. How exactly does a doctor get listed Yes, I'll tell you now, we actually have an app. Um, it's still not our, like, the North Star perfect app that we're hoping to build. It's like I'm actually fundraising from investors now to build out a custom experience. But we're just, this upcoming week, we're ready, getting ready to push it out into the app store. It's actually in the app stores now, but we're, we haven't released it to the public yet. Um, and so doctors can download the app, and there are two um, sign-up experiences. There's a sign-up experience if you're a medical provider, and then there's a sign-up experience if you're just a woman who's looking to be a part of the app as a member, looking for doctors, looking for health information, looking for community. So short answer to your question, doctors can sign up, um, download the app, and sign up um, as a provider. Is there a fee for them to sign up? There's no fee right now. We are just really focusing on one. Um, I was very intentional about wanting to create value and validating that we can provide value to the information that we've been curating and creating. And then we want to show providers like, look, we do have the ability to bring patients to you. Mm. And so I didn't want to go to providers and say, hey, we're charging X, Y, Z without really knowing for sure whether or not women would come to our platform and be looking for them. But right. I reverse engineered that and we focused initially on just content and that's how we were able to build a community. I did that for two years and once I realized, look, we have enough women who are engaged with the Health Interview platform where I think it's time for us to start engaging the physicians. Yes. Um, and I'll actually share more about like how it went viral and, and how we got providers to sign up, but um, we're not charging doctors now, but in the future state, we will be charging um, a subscription fee mm -hmm. um, based on provider specialty. So we don't want to charge doulas the same thing that we're charging like a therapist or a gynecologist, so to speak. But we're, right. we're figuring out pricing and hopefully um, later this year we'll turn that on so we can actually sustain ourselves as a business. Makes sense. We can talk a little bit about how Health and Her, he went viral right now. I'm interested in hearing that story. Yes. Yeah, so, I, so I'm a big believer in, um, again, like community. I think that there's power in community, especially as we're looking at this pandemic. We all see how we are really social beings. No one likes to be in isolation. And so what I'm glad or grateful that I um, did when I was starting Health and Earth, he was focused on that. Like, how can I create a mission and vision that would resonate with people um, create information that would be valuable to them and build a community and build engager, engage users based, quote unquote users, based on that, as opposed to like, hey, I have this idea for an app, I'm going to build it and I'm going to assume everybody's going to come to it. I was like, no, let me build a community and learn what are the problems, because I'm only one Black woman. So I'm like, 
Let me learn what are the collective problems that Black women and women of color are having as they're navigating healthcare. Let me learn from us. And then I'll build the thing that I think can help solve some of our problems. And so I did that really well. What people don't know is I did that for two years. Like I literally be on the train. Um, I worked down in the financial district and I live way uptown. So I'd be on the train for an hour reading an academic uh, paper and then thinking, okay, how do I make this less academic and make it like, you know, a woman scrolling out Instagram, she sees a cool photo, reads the caption and she can get some valuable information from that. So I did, I was doing that kind of stuff for two years. And that's how we were able to build our social media following, build a community around um, the platform, engage doctors and um, other healthcare providers. And then in um, 2020, last year, I was like, okay, I feel like I have enough data points that women want an easy place online where they can search for providers based on their location, their insurance. So let me test it out. So I built, um, what you call, the, call an, an, a minimal viable product. In tech, we call it an MVP. So it's like not a sexy bells and whistle product, but it basically just has, to, has the basic um, functionalities of, of the app concept that you have. No code. You don't need to be an engineer to develop it. So I built um, basically this provider directory and it only has six doctors on it. Um, took a screen grab of that posted it on our Instagram. And at the time we had like 5,000 Instagram followers and maybe 2,000 Twitter followers. And um, women went on the app and they were like, oh, there's only six doctors. They could have been pissed and be like, this is like a watch, like there's only six doctors on it. But what happened was they shared the screen grab that I posted and started asking doctors and healthcare professionals to sign up. They were like, this is brilliant. I've been following this page for a long time. Like we love the content that they create. Can you sign up? We want to be able to find black healthcare professionals. So basically the community was like, they were already rocking with us because we've been creating value. So when we had this product and we pushed it to them, they basically asked the doctors like, look, sign up. And within two weeks, we had 34,000 people log into wow. the app. And right now we have over 800 providers who've signed up. And that's like without literally no marketing. The marketing was that one Instagram post for real. And the rest was a, was a community. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how we that are. Amazing. Yep. That's true, right? That's how we are. Everyone's a savage, claiming that they don't feel. So if I say you on some other shit, know that I'm for real. And I don't mind if you get in your feelings, I give you space to heal. Cause I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm so tired, I'm tired. As an afterthought Tired of healing and giving And no one is praying for me I'm tired of saying I forgive When it's not on my own terms I'm tired of wasting energy On people that don't learn Everyone wanna be down Till it's time to be down Everyone is so evolved, yet issues in their lives unsolved. When your actions never match your words, and you ask for things you don't deserve, know that I'm off you. Nothing I can offer you. Cause I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm so tired, so tired, so tired. I'm so weary. 
relationships is hard. You just listened to I'm Tired by Claire Renee. So you posted the, the screenshot and everybody decided, listen, we're going to really push this. We're going to share this. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about when you got the grant from Serena Williams and the partnership with Stuart Weitzman and uh, Vital Voices Global Partnership. Speak a little bit about that and how you felt when you got that additional support for Health and Her Hue. Yeah, so that... Uh... Funny story. So I was a part of this leadership incubator um, called Vital Voices. I applied to get into it. And as part of the program, the, the, you know, it's about investing in women, showing them how to hone their leadership skills. And then if you're selected to be a part of the cohort, they tell you that there are different grant opportunities that you um, will either be selected for or you can apply for. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up. I want to be, I want to learn how to be a good leader and I could use some grant funding for my startup idea. Um, so the story is one Saturday, it was a Saturday, um, I forget, sometime during the pandemic, who, I, time was, <laughs> the whole, the time I can't happened. even track time. <laughs> one of those but sometimes, Right, one of them Saturdays <laughs> back in the um, pandemic, and we're still in it, but, um, I was like just working all day, and I remember feeling, I, that day in particular, I was feeling super discouraged, I, I think I had, I don't know if I had gotten laid off from my full-time job just yet, but it was a day I was feeling super, super discouraged about health interview. Like, I, this is a brilliant idea, but how am I going to get funding? Like, am I, you know, all those questions were going through my head. And I was working on my pitch deck, I think, for the entire day. And I pick my head up at eight o'clock and I look at me, my email and I see an email from the VP of Vital Voices, Lauren. And she the email was like, Serena Williams has selected you for a grant. So I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> First of all, I didn't apply for any grant. Like, where did this come from? How'd she hear about me? Like, what's... So I get on the phone with Lauren and she says that um, Vital Voices has a partnership with um, Stuart Weitzman, the shoe brand. And Stuart Weitzman basically gave Vital Voices a certain number of money to distribute grants to women in their leadership incubator. But as part of their um, brand partnership with Serena Williams, what they did was, you know, Serena was getting ready to do a big brand campaign with Stuart Weitzman. And she wanted, because we're in a pandemic, um, you know, she wanted to do something that, in addition to like the brand campaign, was like a, a good story to tell about women who are doing great things in the community in the midst of a pandemic. So what they did was they gave Serena Williams the list of all the women in the, the cohort and their companies and said, you select the two women that you want to receive this funding. And she selected Health and Her Hue and me and, so, and one other um, company. And I was, I was so happy to hear that the story, like what I'm building resonated with her because as you all know, um, Serena Williams had a scary and life-threatening birth experience where um, she spoke up to the nurse and said, I need a CT scan. And the nurse was like, you know, calm, like relax, like, no, nothing's wrong. And Serena's yep. like, no, I know my body. I need a CT scan. And if she didn't advocate for herself, she probably would have died. Uh, and so I use Serena Williams story a lot of times in my pitch, you know, my pitch conversations with investors or when I'm talking to other people and say, Serena's a, a woman with status. She's like the greatest of all time when it comes to athletes. She got money and she has the best doctors. And she even experienced an adverse um, birth, you know, had an adverse birth experience. And so you can only imagine what it's like for your everyday Black woman who's seeking care, trying to speak up for herself. So I was just really grateful um, to have have Serena give me that, you know, that nod, give me that funding because yeah. I des desperately needed it at the time. But having her acknowledge that the work that I'm doing is impactful, that it resonated with her because of her story. It was, it, I can't even articulate what that felt like, but um, just also the day that I got the news, it was so timely because I remember just feeling so, so discouraged. And then I picked my head up from work and that was the email that was in my inbox waiting wow. for me. So I was going to ask a little bit of a controversial 
question, but I see that the app focuses on women of color and black women. So mm-hmm. did you have any particular reason on, on, on why you were being so inclusionary? And that's not me saying you shouldn't have been, but <laughs> <laughs> instead of just focusing on black women, you kind of expanding it a little bit. So you did you have any purpose for that or you just wanted to just include all as many women as possible? So I'm being very intentional about, that's why I say on the website, Black women and women of color, because Mm -hmm. our experiences should not just be lumped up with all women of color. Because as we know, the experience of being Black women is a very unique one. Mm -hmm. It's different from our, you know, the experience of Indigenous women, of Latina women, of Asian women. And I I had to stay true. I remember being, um, I wouldn't even say torn, but I remember thinking like, I'm going to turn this into a business. I know people are going to push back on the fact that I'm saying that I'm building it specifically for black women. And I remember thinking that and like, like immediately it was like, no, but the, the idea came to you because of how frustrated you were seeing the statistics for black women specifically, because they were the worst. And so that was the problem. That was the issue that burdened me. And so I'm like, that's what I'm going to focus on. Like the idea came to me because I literally was like in bed reading a paper for class. And I saw, I can't even remember what the study was focused on. And I started crying. And when I had that concern about, should I say that I'm building it for black women or should I just say woman of color just to keep it like a little politically correct? Mm-hmm. I like internally, I had a visceral reaction. It was like, nope, you got to say black women. And you can say that over time, you're going to expand to other demographics of women with the same intentionality. So that is why um, on the website, when I talk about it, I say black women and women of color, because right now we're laser focused on black women and other women can join the platform. I'm not saying they can't, but the yeah. content and the doctors that we're focusing on engaging, like it's all centering the lived experiences of black women and how that ultimately impacts their health outcomes. Once we get that right, then we're going to expand to other demographics of women of color. And so that's, that's why I use the language intentionally in that way. Okay. Right. Y'all hear that? Do not come for Ashley. She was doing her research. <laughs> listen, this is listen. the reason why she did it. Do your research. I, and, I was, and I was ready. I was like, folks don't come to me and say, what about of black course. men? What about mm-hmm. Latino? Like, and I'm like, I'm not saying that they don't need a platform like what I'm building. But what I am saying is black women need it ASAP. And so I'm doing it right now. And over time, you got to start somewhere. You can't start doing all of the things at once true. or you'll not get anywhere. So right. that's why I'm saying true to the way the vision came to me. So I think some of us, maybe just me, we kind of are familiar with some of the the horror stories. I hear a lot of um, stories centered around childbirth and, and kind of things like that. But could you expound upon the disparities in healthcare that Black women face other than yeah. maybe the maternal the, mortality? Maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we know, maternal mortality is like the biggest one that gets talked about. One, because the numbers are really just terrifying. And mm-hmm. for a country like America, um, to have the maternal mortality crisis that we're having just generally, like taking out race, like mothers are dying, giving birth in this country. That's worse than other countries that are like on the same level, um, or, you know, on the same level as America. So there's that black women are three to four times more likely to die from um, pregnancy related complications. That's the statistic that I think a lot of us have kind of just stamped in our head. But beyond that, we're more likely to um, die from heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer of Black women. Um, Diabetes and obesity, we're disproportionately impacted by that. Uh, Breast cancer, we're less likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer, Mm -hmm. but we're more likely to die from it. And that's in large part because our cancer gets caught later. And I can go on a long tangent about why that, why, you know, why that typically is. We're more likely to have the more aggressive type of breast cancer than other women um, of other races. So triple negative breast cancer disproportionately affects Black women. Um, fibroids, like I can go on and on and on. So it's not just maternal mortality that kills us. All of us aren't going to be mothers, but there are other diseases that are disproportionately impacting us. And um, that is why as much as maternal mortality is a number one, you know, I wouldn't say number one, but it's a big thing that we focus on at Health Interhue. But I am very intentional about saying there are so many other health conditions that we need to focus on besides maternal, or in addition to maternal mortality. I wouldn't say besides, in addition to. Okay. No, I didn't so, know some of that. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when people call into question why we would need a platform spe- specifically for yes. us, that's why. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like, okay. You have it. 
do you care or are you just mad right. that you don't get access to something? That's the thing. It's like when people exclude black women all the time. And then when we try to create a space for ourselves, it's like, whoa, 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 why, why, like, what about, what about this? And what about that? And it's like, yeah, no one be checking for us. But yeah. the moment we try to create something and say that this is for us, for our needs, you got people wanting us to be super inclusive. And Black women, we always are. But yes. I feel like there comes a time and place where we need to say, like, we have a need and we're focusing on our need. And once we're good, we're going to start checking for other people. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I love it. So how do you think then that Health in Her Hue empowers women? Yes, I would say the first um, thing is I think that there's a lot of value in the the content that we have been creating today and will be creating. So information um, is important in terms of empowering people to take control of their health. Health literacy is is the word that we use or the term that we use in public health, like a person's ability to understand healthcare and health issues. And so we want to empower Black women by making them more health literate, understanding what different health conditions are, understanding when they should be seeking care, um, what like what preventative care services they should be keeping top of mind. Because if you don't know that you need to go in and get, um, you know, a pap smear within a certain time frame, you just don't know and you're not mm-hmm. going to do it. And so we want to empower them with the information that they need to advocate for themselves as they're navigating, again, a, a U.S. healthcare system that wasn't designed for them. So on our platform in the future state, we're going to have like a checklist of like here, when you sign up to the platform, here are the types of visits you should be having on an annual basis based on the data that they share with us as they're signing up for the app. And this way, you know, okay, this, this year I need to schedule this kind of appointment. I need to schedule this kind of appointment. And that's one way that we're empowering women. The other thing is, you know, if you want a provider who looks like you, it's really difficult to find that as black women, because there are only about 45,000 Black doctors in the United States. Um, and again, Health and Her Hue isn't just Black doctors. We have doulas, we have therapists, lactation consultants. But if you're looking for a Black doctor as a Black woman, a lot of times you have to rely on your personal network to make those recommendations. And then you don't know if the doctor that your friend recommends to you is in your insurance network. So what we're doing is we're making it easier for Black women to find providers and filter for them based on specialty, based on insurance, so that if your preference is finding a doctor who looks like you, you come to our platform, you find trusted information, you're supported with finding a doctor who looks like you or a provider who looks like you. And then we're also connecting you with community if you have um, questions that you want to ask other women like, hey, I have um, my, my doctor just diagnosed me with fibroids and is telling me that I need a hysterectomy. I want to have children. Do I need a hysterectomy? And you talk to another Black woman and she's like, absolutely not. Like I mm-hmm. spoke to my doctor and these were the options that my doctor gave me go back to your doctor and ask them, is a hysterectomy your only option? So that's the value. um, And that's the empowerment that we want to create through our platform. And in the future state, we want to add a level of virtual consult. So maybe you can't find a black doctor in your insurance network, but you really want to get the perspective of a black doctor, um, like ask them a question, ask them how you should prepare for your visit. We plan to have providers accessible on our platform to answer questions um, that women may have as they're, you know, trying to seek care or coordinate care. So I assume that you'll have it filtered by with um, location and specialty. Will you have a filter for the insurance as well, the provider? Yes, we do have a filter for insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ashley. So I'm listening to everything you're saying. You've convinced me, you know, Black women, because of the statistics, you know, we, we need this special care, but I need convincing. Why do I need to have a black physician? Like, can't it just be any physician I want just as long as they're qualified? Why do they need to be black? So I'm gonna say this, we, Health Interview does not want to create or give the impression that we believe in like a segregated healthcare system. I have had have had white doctors and they have been good. I've also had a white doctor and and I'll I'll share the the anecdote um, once I like clarify this. I do think that you should prioritize finding a doctor who can give you the best care. Maybe that's not a black doctor. That is fine. But there are studies that are showing that the outcomes are better for patients when they do see a doctor who looks like them. Hmm. Uh, One study recently, actually, Dr. Rachel Hardiman um, showed that black babies, I want to say, had a three times more likely survival rate when they saw a black doctor. Like that is wild, y'all. Like that is wild. The wow. like the difference between a baby surviving a lot of times can be the race of their doctor because black doctors 
listen more. They understand the experience of the patient more. There was another study that showed when Black men um, um, saw Black doctors, they did. They had like two different groups of Black men. They saw they had doc- Black men who saw doctors who were white and Black Black men who saw doctors who were Black. And the ones who saw the Black doctors, they were more likely to sign up for preventative screenings um, and rated their provider better, their experience with the, the clinician better. So there are all these studies that are starting to sh- come up that show what I've always had a hunch that Black doctors can provide sometimes better quality care to Black patients because there's a level of comfort that you have. So I'll share my experience. I was working in a really toxic work environment. Um, like I mentioned, was the reason why I started Health Interview. I was breaking out in highs every day um, at one point. And so you heard me talk about this, I think, when I did the, the TEDx thing. But I was breaking out in hives um, every, every, every day, went to see an allergist because it was becoming out of control. The allergist is a white woman. I don't have any biases. I'll go to whoever, you know, I think can, can support me. So I went to, this, to see this allergist. She ran a bunch of tests on me, couldn't figure out what was happening. Like, you're not allergic to anything, so I really don't know why you're breaking out in hives. Take two Allegra's every day just to keep them controlled. And I remember thinking, like, I can't go the rest of my life just taking two Allegra's. Like, I need to figure out what's the root cause of me breaking out in these hives. Long story short, left that left the toxic job, graduated from grad school because I was doing I was working full time and in grad school full time, crazy. Ooh. And um, I, I after I left the job and after I graduated from grad school, the hives stopped. Right, and so I realized, and uh, one of my friends also called it out, like. I think that the, the highs were stress-induced and, mm. and you weren't allergic to anything. And so I remember that experience uh, juxtaposed to my experience with my Black gynecolo- gynecologist. She, um, you know, I share so much with her. I talk about brunch, talk about relationships. Like she gets so much out, more out of me because she's a Black woman. And I remember thinking, if my white allergist was a Black woman, I might have shared with her that I was dealing with microaggressions mm. and working in this toxic work environment. But because she was a white woman, I was like, she's not, she not going to understand what it's like to be a black woman working in this, in this type of space. So it never dawned on me to even mention that to her. And right. if I did, if I told her that, if I told her I was also in grad school, she might have been like, wait, Ashley, like, you're probably just really stressed. And so that really opened my eyes to the mm. fact that like that level of comfort and understanding of like, a black woman will understand what it's like to deal with microaggressions because we've all typically have had that experience of like bias, racism, and so on and so forth, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I never thought that this white woman would. So I I withheld that information. If I shared it with her, she would have had more information to like connect the dots and mm-hmm. would have given me better clinical advice than pop two allegras every single day, right? And so <laughs> that goes to speak so goes to show that patients they, there's a level of comfort, comfort and um baseline understanding that you assume a doctor who looks like you will have that may let your guards down that may allow you to share more about your social environmental context and that helps the provider um give you better clinical advice and better clinical support and so that's my that's my hypothesis everybody may not agree with it but the studies are showing that um that my hunch is right and so i say all that to say that i don't think that you I do think that Black patients should prioritize and find a provider that looks like them, just based on the U.S. healthcare system. I'm hoping and praying for the day in which we can rely on white doctors to provide quality care. That is my hope. I don't want Health and Earth to be a space where Black women are always coming there because we're afraid of seeing a white doctor. And so on our platform, we're planning to also offer trainings to providers um, in the future state, we want to be able to have all types of doctors listed on health and hue and p- provide um, racial equity training, implicit bias training to them and give them a, you know, a certain health and hue stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. So that as a black woman, you feel comfortable knowing, hey, this provider has been vetted by health and hue. I trust health and hue's platform. And so if this doctor is listed on here, then I even though they're not black, I feel like they if they get what health they interviews the trying to accomplish, stand. then they're going to Exactly. <laughs> and one of my clinical one of my clinical advisors we were talking about like how do we structure this? You know, like I want to be like, what if some of the doctors don't take the training? How do we kind of like order them on the website? And so we were like in joking, she was saying that, you know, you got your kinfolk people, just because you know, all skin folk ain't kinfolk. Mm-hmm. So you got your skin folk people who just on the app because they black. 
And then, you know, you're going to have your kinfolk people who are black doctors who like really are trying to ride for black patients. And then you got your real like the doctors who's really going to ride out for you. Um, so we know that just because someone's a black healthcare provider does that does not mean that they're going to provide you quality of care. That is not what we're saying. But everything I just broke down before um, that there are studies showing that we have improved outcomes. Um, and that is what we're, we're honing in on. Your um, gynecologist, was that your first experience with a Black physician? So not my, not the gynecologist that I had as an adult, um, but my gynecologist that my mom introduced me to, you know, growing up, your parents are still mm-hmm. kind of making some, making those decisions or recommendations right. for you because that's mm-hmm. their doctor. She was, my first gynecologist was a Black woman. Mm-hmm. And I love that fact because as a young woman going to the gynecologist for the first time, it can be a very intimidating experience. And so seeing someone who looks like me, uh, I'm glad that I had the experience as a young um, child because prior to that, I think all of my doctors, like my pediatricians, um, yeah, my pediatrician was white. My dentist was always black. And then my gynecologist in my early teens becoming an adult was a black woman and I think from that, I realized like I I want to be able to always have a provider that I feel like I can trust and who really understands me culturally, socially, and so on and so forth. That makes sense. They said to me, what brings you here? I said to them, what brought you here? You just listened to Escape by Elaine.
you know, a, a bit about what you were saying um, in terms of the research with uh, Black doctors and Black patients. It, re- it kind of reminded me of the research with Black teachers and Black students. I thought about that too. Yeah. Uh, if a, a Black student has a white teacher, they're less likely to be nominated for a gifted program, but more so the white children are. But if there's a Black teacher, they equally nominate both Black and white kids or, you know, just other kids for the gifted program. So, you know, just listening to, you know, what you're saying about the necessity of Black doctors, Black healthcare providers, it it just kind of solidified that for me. So um, I want to talk a little bit about your support during this process. Like, since the theme of this episode is about thriving and surviving, what are some things that you've done? Who are some people that have supported you during this process? Yeah, so this process, y'all, it's a it's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard one. I think, you know, when you post on IG, like this speaking opportunity or this win, this arena win, like people see that stuff, right? And then, um, but I was very transparent about the fact that I lost my job, my, you know, my day job back in like last year in July, like literally the same week Health and Review went viral. I lost my job that Friday and I like, I'm a, I'm a Christian. So I don't believe in coincidences. Like the night before I remember, I remember praying and being like, I feel this tension between like my day job and what I'm supposed to be doing with health mm-hmm. Hugh, which felt like a calling. And I talked to a friend about it. I was, and there was like a new job opportunity that was presented to me too. So I'm like, I'm like trying to figure out if I should leave my, my current job for Health Under Hue, but I'm too afraid to do that full time because I'm not making any money from Health Under Hue. So, you know, all those questions. And I remember praying and, and being like, God, I don't want to stand in the way of this vision coming to life. Like, I want, I don't want Ashley to stand in the way of Health Under Hue becoming the impactful company I feel in my heart that it can become. And y'all literally the next day lost my job. I was like, God, you, you move really <laughs> swiftly. <laughs> you move super swiftly. <laughs> and, and it was like, as much as it felt like a relief, I was terrified, y'all. Like, like that was the job that was helping me keep the operations going for Alvin or you. But it also felt like, no, this, this is your moment. Like you need to focus on helping her full time. And the day job was removed um, from being a distraction. But that was difficult. I remember calling my friends and calling my boyfriend and bawling because <laughs> I was just like, I'm used to security. My family's West Indian. You're supposed to have the job. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't we don't do the entrepreneurship thing unless you you have all the ducks in the row. And I did not have all the ducks in the row for the transition. So that was a difficult thing to experience, even though I had mentally been preparing for it because I was working for a startup. And, you know, last year was a crazy economic time. We're still in crazy economic times. So I was always mentally prepared for the possibility, but no one really prepares you for the moment. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I lost my job and I was very open and honest with folks. Like I posted about it on social media. I didn't have to, but I was like, you know, I think you know, I just want to be transparent about this journey. It's not going to be always be highs. They're going to be lows. And that was one of my lows that I think was part of the process. Um, and I had to, I realized how resilient I was. Like I allowed myself to be sad about losing the job for about a week and be scared. And how am I going to survive? And went through all those motions, but I had friends, um, and family to call on that, it was just like, look, it feels like the universe, God is telling you to just focus on health and our hue. And so it was great having like external people validate something that I had been feeling internally. Also having the support of my West Indian family. Cause like I said, I was supposed to go to medical school. I was supposed to have the safe job, but my parents and my family saw the, like see the value and the impact of what I'm building And so having their support has also been like another data point for me that I should just keep on, keep going. Because I thought my mom was going to be like, absolutely not. You need to go get a job. (laughs) And we don't got time for no business that's not even making money. Like get a job and then figure out the rest. And she was very much like on board with me navigating this. Then the new thing that I'm doing or the new challenge is fundraising, talking to investors, pitching to investors. That was not going well. Uh, I mean, it kind of was because I was getting inbounds from investors, but I wasn't landing anything. I wasn't getting the commitments for investments. I was having great conversations. People were like, I get the idea. 
it's brilliant. You're approaching it from a new way. Um, but no one was actually cutting me a check. I can, I can stand here today now and say that that's changed. Like we're actually, um, have commitments for our fundraise goal. And, um, I'm excited about that, but then there's another layer of, do I feel ready to be a CEO? Um, you know, the imposter syndrome, the, Mm. the fear, the concern, like those are all the things that I think people don't see, um, that's happening behind the scenes. Um, and I'm being very honest and and transparent with y'all. Like as much as it's like exciting to be in this position and to be working on something that I believe in, that I care about, it is scary as hell. (laughs) And, but I'm, I'm, I say all that to say that I'm grateful that I have, I do have a great support system. The investors who I'm talking to, they believe in what I'm building and that's important to me. I don't want to just take anybody's money. I need them to understand the intentionality that I need to have as I'm building this thing. Have, I've, gotten a lot of amazing men- mentors along this journey who supported me through the highs and the lows. And so I got good people um, supporting me, but it's a long journey ahead and I'm scared, but I'm still doing it anyway. <laughs> Look, allow us to add to your validation. I am so excited for this and I'm not just, Thank you know, you. just saying that I'm a pretty transparent person myself. I have been saying for years that I wish there was an easier way for me. I don't have a black um, primary care. Actually, I don't have a black doctor at all. Now that I think about it, <laughs> um, is it my dentist? So yeah. the rest of them are white, and I want a black primary care. And I only tried maybe two or three times, and they're all the three that are out here are booked for like the next three years, and I gave up. So if there was something, a platform, an app where I could just type it in and see all of them in my in my area, I'm in the DMV. That, I mean, I'd use that immediately, you know, and I'm sure many, 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 many other women feel the exact same way. So this is needed. Yes. This idea is, is gold, pure gold, pure gold. So we would love to be a part of the fundraising efforts. I'm sure um, people, our listeners watching or listening want to be a part of that too. So what's the best mm-hmm. way for people to do that? How can people contribute to this, this brilliant idea? Thank you, Tiffany. That makes my heart warm. <laughs> Um, and so the, the fundraise stuff. So right now we're raising what they call a pre-seed, AKA also known as like, um, a friends and family round. Um, and so right now we have commitments for that, Mm -hmm. but my, me and my co-founder have been thinking through, like we have friends and family. So there's one of our friends that wanted to, um, invest and, you know, to be an accredited investor, you, they're like certain criteria. You have to be making over $200,000 a year for like two for a year and, or be making a certain amount of money to be an accredited investor. There are ways in which like other folks who don't have like, you know, my family is not rich by any means, but I know that some of them do want to support. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we're planning for our next fundraise, our seed round. We're planning to do a crowdfund raise on this platform called Republic, which allows anyone, you don't have to be an, an accredited investor to invest. And it's like a platform people can go and you can invest. I think the minimum is like maybe a hundred dollars or something. So anyone can go in and we really want to set that up. We have, we're talking to our lawyers about getting the paperwork done so we can set up that um, Republic fundraise so that our friends, families, listeners, if they want to be a part of the journey, if they want to support us, that they're not limited to like the whole accredited investor thing. So I would ask people to stay tuned. Um, this initial fundraise, we're, we're good. It's going to get us to like build out our tech. But then when we go out, I want to say in like the fall of this year, we plan to have um, a crowd fundraise where we can engage the community so that they can feel like they're a part of the journey. Uh, you may have touched on this a bit earlier, but what will all of this funding help you do with Health In Her Heels? Yeah, so this initial fundraise is helping us build out the custom platform. So right now, like I mentioned, we the app that we're getting ready to push out this week, it's still not our custom idea. It's basically the basic um, user experience, and it's not going to be, it's probably going to have some bugs. It's not going to be perfect, but it's a, it's a lot better than our initial one that went viral. So this, this funding that we're raising now, we're going to hire a development firm. We have a software engineer who's on on our team, but we're also going to hire a development firm to really build out um, the market-ready, customized Health at Hue platform. Um, so that's largely what this fundraise is going for. And then, you know, we're going to go back out and raise a seed round. And the seed round is really going to support us in building out, like, what is the community experience going to be like? We want to have, like, virtual community support groups. We're going to need to hire 
a provider or like like a nurse or a doctor to be on the platform to do some of the responding to questions and the consults. Um, so the short direct answer to your question, this initial round is really just helping us build out the tech. And then we're going to go back out and fundraise again so that we can really um, scale the content and, and really get the infrastructure in place for the community experience. So uh, before you go, if you have any uh, final words, any last few things you'd like to share with us. And please plug your um, your social medias, your Instagrams. Yeah, I guess my parting words is that um, like I rep the Bronx heavy. I love the Bronx. Um, I believe that the Bronx really shapes the type of woman that I am and how much I care about community. And so, yeah, I just like, I'm, I'm super grateful for this platform. I'm glad that I get to speak to folks from my community. I'm glad that I get to, I'm not even going to say put the Bronx on as I'm like growing, but I'm glad that people will see that great things can come out of this borough that often gets, you know, we get, we get shaded a lot of times, but there's so much creativity. There's so much innovation. There's so much potential in this borough and I'm happy that I can be a little example, a little data point of what can come out of the Bronx um, once people invest in the youth and so on and so forth. And yes. so, yeah, I love the Bronx. Um, and I'm always going to put on and make the, make the borough proud. And folks can follow Health and Earth Hue on Instagram, Twitter. We're on Facebook and we're on LinkedIn. But our name on all of those platforms is at Health and Her Hue. And you can also go to the website, healthandherhue.com. I hope by the time this podcast airs, um, we would have publicly launched the app. So I ask you all to download the app, um, share with a friend, and um, let us know your experience. Let us know your feedback, what other features and things that you would love to see the platform evolve and, and offer. Because we really want this to be a con- community-informed product development. I don't want to just build something and think that I have all the answers. I really want the community to say, this is what we need. And then we go and build. This is the end of the episode, but your time with us doesn't have to end here. Follow us on Instagram at bronxnarratives.com, where we post the dopest pics of the Bronx and highlight our favorite people in the borough. And if you need more Bronx narratives, visit us at bronxnarratives.com, where you can sign up for newsletters, buy some of your favorite Bronx merch, and read articles from Bronx writers. BXN Radio is produced and hosted by Kayla Smith with guest co-host Tiffany Green. Our jingle was produced by Syl. Our podcast cover was designed by Hoy Smith with photography by Dondra Green. The ads you heard were written by Tiffany Green and Kayla Smith. Shout out to our friends at We Created Studios for mixing and mastering this episode. Today's Bronx picks were Escape by Elaine and I'm Tired by Claire Renee. To nominate someone for Bronx Pick of the Month, send us a direct message on Instagram and a link to your nominee's music. And yes, you can nominate yourself too. And as always, thanks for tuning in to BXN Radio and liking our podcast and content. Continue chatting with us on social media and sharing our podcast with your people. Talk to you next time. Bronx Narratives Radio.